Welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, headmaster of Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Noah Tetzner, a curious student of classical education and podcast producer. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on the Quarter Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Well, hello and welcome to A Chord of Three Strands. Uh, I'm so excited to be a part of this initiative put together by the Paladin Institute. I'm Noah and I'm joined here today with Ron Young, Headmaster of Providence Academy. And we're so excited to present this first season of the podcast with the theme Burning Yet Flourishing. So, Mr. Young, you know, this podcast is the Paladin Institute's show on creating Christian culture. So uh, as we think about this podcast and we introduce it to the world and what listeners can look forward to in future episodes, I think first we perhaps need to define what culture is. Excellent. Yes, uh, culture is a way of life. A group of people um, uh, have, uh, you know, things like beliefs, values and symbols that they accept. Uh, even without thinking about them, and they are passed along by communication and imitation from one generation to the next. I love that. I love that. That makes perfect sense. Now, when we talk about Christian culture, um, you know, what are some of the ways that that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, can make our culture distinct from that, uh, you know, by default flawed culture that we find ourselves uh, surrounded by? Yeah, you bet. So one is that we need to embrace the fact that uh, human beings are culture makers and that um, the way a culture holds together, it typically is ordered around certain values or beliefs. And uh, as Christians, we understand that uh, our life is to be ordered around Jesus Christ, who is the word of God. And so a Christian culture is ordered around his word. And when it is, it flourishes. Thus, uh, season one, <laughs> burning yet flourishing. Um, it is going to be our appeal to um, the church to order its life around the word of God. And burning in a way that is uh, not self-destructing, of course, but vibrant yes. and noticeable. Yeah. So um, I totally ripped off burning yet flourishing. It is the Irish Presbyterian uh, motto uh, in Latin, Ardens said Wirens. Um, and they have a picture of a burning bush. So the bush was burning and yet it flourished. It was still fruitful. It was still green. And uh, a Christian culture is like that. So if it's centered around the word of God, um, it will flourish as it obeys his word. It orders its life around his word and around Christ, who is the word who became flesh. But it's also burning in that it's this fire 
right? It's like a flame. So the word refines us like a fire. How do I know that I'm an heir? The word of God tells me, how do I uh, become sanctified? Then it's through his word uh, that, that helps us to repent of what is evil and to pursue what is good. Um, so the word is also like uh, that flame that lights our way. So if we want to know in what way to go, we seek God's word and it illuminates our path. Uh, and finally, as the word spreads, it consumes, uh, it, it brings its lighting and refining uh, to our lives and our whole world so that this Christian culture that is consumed um, or burning, I should say, uh, yet flourishing becomes uh, light to the world. Um, it used to be that the church was flourishing and that it was the, the church was the center of all culture. And Western civilization flourished under these, uh, this Christian culture, its beliefs, its uh, symbols, its um, values, its behaviors. And uh, sadly, we have uh, lost our way in America. So we as human beings are certainly by nature sinful, but you make the distinction that, you know, especially American culture has lost its way. I'm assuming that that downfall happened when we stopped treating and viewing the church as the center of Christian culture in a community. Is that accurate? I think that's part of it. Yeah. It, it um, one is that I feel like the church in America decided it didn't want that. <laughs> it, okay. it, it literally gave up its role as salt and light in the world. It, it saw itself either as um, an evangelical lifeboat saving souls so that they can just go to heaven because anything cultural that they're doing is like um, I heard, I used to hear the phrase um, it, it's like polishing brass on a sinking ship. And, and I think that that is not true, that the gospel has implications um, for all of life and, and all of things that uh, exist are created by uh, Christ for him. And um, and so we have uh, this responsibility as his image bearers of having dominion. And I think our next episode is going to talk a lot about that. Um, but it is our responsibility in not only receiving Jesus, so to speak, it's also uh, living in obedience to him uh, in this uh, having dominion, uh, ordering our life around his word. And it uh, creates um, such flourishing amongst his people. Uh, it is desirable and uh, it influences culture. We become uh, Christian culture is like the, the tail that wags the dog. Right. right. Rather yeah. than rather than the tail that just gets wagged all the time. Um, the, the other option I, I mentioned, there are two options. One is that evangelical lifeboat look. The, the other one has been uh, to leave the gospel behind and, and seek some sort of social justice apart, apart from God's word. You know, we we think that, oh, well, God loves. Uh, so we should love everyone and everything. Um Oh, we, uh, since God loves, we should not want to hurt people's feelings. And so we're not going to call out sin and, um, we're going to rewrite the word. So it's not so burning <laughs> and, and that's, and, and life doesn't flourish like that. It then, then the church becomes useless. 
Right, right. No, no, no. That's that's an interesting distinction. And and I think that speaking of distinctions, one of the things that is most visible when you know we as Christians think of ourselves in a in a um, you know as as human beings on planet Earth is um, the thing that sets us apart from those pagans or people who are not Christians are our distinct morals and values, which perhaps aren't so distinct as they once were. So, I mean, we live in the age of uh, sexual immorality and, you know, different things surrounding gender and modesty and manners, et cetera. Um, You know, how are we as Christians to think about those things, um, you know, ever present in the news headlines uh, as we seek to curate and revive this once vibrant Christian culture? Sure. So one of the things that drives me a little crazy about the church today and uh, Christians in um, general is we are, since we are uh, Christian, we tend to be conservative and conserve those things that are good uh, that we see from Christian, uh, from the, the God's word, is that uh, we get used to just saying no without creating a positive vision for what's good. Yeah. Right. So um, in terms of, uh, say, sexual morality or, or even gender uh, distinctions, those things, we are really good at saying no to that and then not providing for our own children um, ways that uh, show that God's word is good and that um, the, the way of a flourishing life is following his laws and his norms and not the world's. Um, the other part to look at it, and this is often overlooked, is um, God's laws really are good and just. And if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, I want my neighbors to live under good law, just law. And and so if we're not talking about the law of God, his morality, the, the Ten Commandments and things like that, then we're leaving our neighbors to their own devices and it is destructive. It is, it is damaging their souls. Let, let me give you an, just one illustration. If, if I could just wave a magic wand and say, if I could choose one thing in our culture um, and what kind of impact would it be? Let's say we were able to wave a magic wand and say, we're going to be obedient to the sexual morals uh, found in scripture. That is. Um, people are going to not commit adultery and all of that it means in the case law that we see in the Old Testament, meaning um, sex is reserved for inside the covenant of marriage only. Um, Imagine what would happen within one generation, you would have uh, a decline in um, children being born out of wedlock. And if you look at poverty statistics, right, uh, people in poverty tend to be people who were born out of wedlock. Mm -hmm. Um, They typically have children out of wedlock. Um, The chances of them being uh, involved with drugs is a lot higher than the normal population or the rest of the population. Uh, You look at incarceration rates, et cetera. Imagine in just one generation, if all of a sudden, the people of these United States followed God's law regarding just sex. It would make a tremendous difference in our whole culture, our whole society uh, uh, with crime, incarceration, uh, uh, poverty, the, the whole works. It would be an amazing thing. 
And that's just one law. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that certainly uh, is, you know, and certainly you and I can agree upon that, but like, that's, that's not an attractive idea. No. Unfortunately, (laughs) especially when people, I think, look at the church or look at Christians and they see uh, you see all the divorce going on. You see the um, it seems that a lot of the the sexual morality and and things of the world are being brought into the church. Um, And and there's none, as I said before, positive aspects of it. Like, what's the positive? How do you right? if if the church isn't um, and the and Christian parents. aren't creating uh, cultures and ways that are good. Um, Their kids are going to find it somewhere else. Right. So um, think think about this, you know, my daughter, um, my oldest daughter graduated from high school uh, last year. She's, she's off in college now. And we used to just talk about what to do on weekends. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and how it's difficult to find something fun or good or, like how do you meet guys, that kind of thing right, right. now. Uh, the, the culture at large is going on your phone and getting an app, right. And right. trying to find someone uh, texting people. Um, there's no guidance on how to date or how to uh, live amongst each other or pursue relationship um, I kept thinking, and this is something that the Palatine Institute will do eventually, um, and that's dancing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we ha- we have a, a desire. Uh, Palatine Institute is for Christian study and culture, and we all, we want to be culture makers. So one of the things that we're looking at is trying to establish uh, dances. Um, contra dancing is the, the main thing. It's it's not as this is going to sound. Um, I, I do like square dancing. I've been square dancing before, and this is no offense to anyone, but um, you know, it's it, contra dancing isn't quite as hokey as square dancing. I sure. hope that, that sounds horrible. Um, it, but it's not as formal as like ballroom dancing. It's, yeah. it's just a lot of fun. Um, and, and you have this uh, you have this atmosphere where everyone is going to dance with it. every boy is going to dance with every girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not that pressure of, you know, being together the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fun. It's not sexual. It's fun. Right. And yet um, masculine roles are um, the boys have masculine roles in this and they're leading and the women have the feminine roles in their following and it's uh, and it's a beautiful thing and it's a whole lot of fun. Now, that's a positive thing that it just takes someone to go, hey, let's do this. And we we do it, which we are going to do. Um, and, and that's just one example, like providing opportunities, an alternative, uh, a, a better alternative than what the world is doing or has to offer. Well, I love that idea uh, because it really is about creating opportunities that unfortunately um, don't exist like they used to at at such a skill that they used to. Well, I I like your example. It's very it's a great example. It's very insightful uh, into what can happen when you uh, get culture right and put God first in your culture with with the adultery piece. You know, with that example. 
adultery is one of the you know more prevalent sins in our society is more um, visible, I should say. Is that purely because, you know, people, everyone struggles with lust or is it a lack of culture? Is it a lack of wholesome culture that promotes Christian values in a society? Yeah, well, I think our hearts are are sinful, right? right. So to begin with, our, our, we have desires within us that God created good. Um, that is, you know, for instance, the desire to have sex. If we didn't have that desire, we wouldn't have children. Right. Um, so it's a good desire. It's a necessary thing. So when James talks about uh, sin as uh, it's when, you know, by your own desire, <laughs> you're, you're enticed into the sin. Yeah. Um, our, our desires have been um, changed by the fall in that they have, they tend towards evil. What the cultures can do is if it is a godly culture, it is um, helping to uh, prevent that evil desire from leading towards uh, greater sin, like actuating that desire. Sure. Um, it, and at the same time, pointing to something that's good and better. Um, so it, it, it's kind of like, you know, in the bowling alley, you have the two, uh, you throw the ball and there's the two gutters that uh -huh. prevent it, the ball from going all over the place. Uh, good Christian culture does that. It, it helps you uh, to stay within the lanes um, of, of good things. Um, it, without that, without those lanes, then um, people stray and go all over the place. So uh, I'll give you an example. When I was in high school, I used to go to dances all the time at my high school and and such. And then I go to Southern California in, um, as an 18 year old and, uh, some friends of mine said, Hey, let's go dancing. And I thought, yeah, that's great. I love dancing. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, I found out right then and there that, uh, the club scene in Los Angeles, California was vastly different from my high school dances. <laughs> and let's just say it was not wholesome. Uh, it, the whole and in, the intensity of the music, uh, the dress that everyone was wearing, the movements that everyone was doing, the scantily dressed gals in the cages, all were meant, <laughs> I'm being deadly serious, Indeed. all of these things were meant to take your sinful desire and drag it towards lustfully into some sort of des um, a greater desire, um, you know, to hook up or whatever. It, we didn't call it back then, but you understand it, yes. it is meant that culture was meant to drag you along into sin. And what I am saying is, is that if, if the church or if Christians aren't proactively creating some sort of culture that is Christian, um, we can't be surprised when our young people keep slipping and sliding down the path to destruction. Here's my question. So we have always been, sinful human beings yet it seems like general generationally uh our culture is getting worse and worse i mean you know a, a very um pithy example is the fact that one could listen to a a you know a song in pulp pop culture in this year, 2021. And there's all sorts of negative things, but you could listen to a love song from 1950 and there's hardly any innuendo whatsoever, let alone music from, you know, the Renaissance and so forth. Why is that? Well, because the culture <laughs> abandoned the behaviors and the values and the symbols of, of Christianity. 
Um, it, it is, uh, you know, I, I look back into my childhood. So I am 54. I was born in 1967 and I went to this elementary school in uh, our town that was, uh, kind of in the rough side of town. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you were, so there's fights, there's drugs. Uh, the first time I was offered drugs was in fifth grade by a classmate who was selling um, barbiturates, black beauties uh, in, in, uh, in school. That that's the kind of place I, as I, as I mentioned to um, some, some of the kids, when I tell stories about my, my home, um, I, I, I have several friends who were murdered or went to jail for killing people. And uh, that's the kind of neighborhood I worked, went to or grew up in. Now, here we go. Listen to this. In my school, if I were to take the Lord's name in vain, I would be punished. Right. So if I could break out in the school and, you know, you can you get separated and get detention or something for that fight. But if I said the Lord's name in vain, it would be uh, looked at as a similar offense. Right. So it, it was um, so not a Christian school. This was a public school. Um, but you didn't take the Lord's name in vain on Sundays, things were shut down. People there, you couldn't go to a movie. You couldn't go to bowling. You, everything was shut down. Even the gas station in town was shut down. And in this really rough area where stores got ripped off all the time, they would actually have, um, gas cans sitting out there with a jar. And if you had to use it as an emergency, you could just put a little cash in the jar, but no one ever stole gas or things on Sunday because it was the Lord's day, <laughs> even though on Monday they might go and rob that same gas station. Yeah. It, it, so even though individually people weren't necessarily Christian, there was enough culture there to keep people from going too far and ruining lives so much um, that 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 happens now. Well, when we talk about this, this idea of burning yet flourishing, when I think of burning and I think of fire, I think of something that's contagious and that can spread. Is that an accurate? Absolutely. Idea here. It is. It is. And, and my f- fear is. Um, as we look at, as we look at our world and as the church go, you know what? People need Jesus. We need to go tell people about Jesus. Without Jesus Christ, um, they are damned. They need the gospel to be saved. The, one of the problems is uh, salvation has to do with not only going to heaven, but how one lives their life. And if there is no flourishing Christian community, flourishing Christian culture by which people can look and say, wow, those people, they've got it going on. Those people know how to live. There's something wrong with my life, but they seem to know what, what's going on. Um, if that's not in existence, then. I think we're, we're doing a disservice to our, our own evangelism because uh, hear me. I'm not, a, I, I said, there's these results of, you know, the lifeboat. Um, I'm not against evangelism. I'm, I think that creating Christian culture will be a very uh, big tool 
in re-evangelizing our nation. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. No, 100%. 100%. And, and even, you know, candidly from personal experience, I think that, um, you know, there's a part of all of us that want to be a part of a culture that celebrates uh, tradition and rituals and so forth. I mean, you know, even growing up when I went to uh, different youth groups, the, you know, in my hometown, the uh, the ones that attracted the largest crowds were the, believe it or not, uh, discussion based Bible study yes. types, yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I I remembered um, uh, after college, I was uh, I, I got involved with Young Life while I was in college and then went on staff right after college. And um, I got to a point I was part time in Young Life. I know I wanted to be full time in ministry. And so uh, I became a guinea pig and, and had this thing called a church partnership out in Southern California. I was the first in Southern California to have such a partnership where I was half time at a church and half time with Young Life. And um, so this church that hired me just had these great expectations for, for me and their youth group. And after I was hired, they asked me how I was, what I was planning to do uh, with the youth on their Wednesday night um, youth group night. And I said, well, here's my plan. Uh, we're going to come together. We'll probably play a game or something for 15 minutes, you know, just to, you know, break the ice, have a little fun. We'll take a little break to get something to drink or, you know, go to the bathroom. And then we're going to have a 45 minute Bible study and we're going to pray for 15 minutes. And they looked at me like I was crazy <laughs> and they said that that's, that's not going to work. What, what do you mean Bible study? Like, tell me what you're going to do. And I said, we're going to, we're going to go verse by verse <laughs> <laughs> through a book of the Bible. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to talk through the Bible. We want them to know God's word. And, and literally they, they didn't think it was going to work. And, um, I had eight kids to begin with, um, two in the high school, I think, and four in middle school. Um, by the end of the year, I think we had about 20 some in the high school group and we had, you know, 14 or so in the junior high group. And within a cut another couple of years, we had, you know, 40 or so coming on a regular basis. Um, to the high school group, um, on a K at one time, I think the last year I was there, I, I think we counted, like we'd have about 117 or so kids oh my uh, coming through our junior high and high school program each week. Not everyone came on Sunday. Some came on Wednesday, that type of thing. And, and really that was the formula. We're going to, we, this is God's word. Let's study it. Let's, you know, the, the gospel is compelling. Jesus Christ is compelling. Who wouldn't want to hear about Jesus? I, and I, and I think that's, that's the part it has to be. Christian culture has to be centered on the word of God, which is his word and, and Jesus Christ, who was God's word become flesh, who lived among us and, and taught us how to live and, and died for our sins and rose again and ascended to the right hand of the father. And he's going to come again. And, at Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come quickly soon. And, um, and it's, it's centered around that, um, that will be a compelling and good uh, culture. Well, we live in a world of, of such, you know, superficial um, things. And don't you think that real, genuine, truthful conversations. I, I think those are some yes. of the things that everyone's soul craves. And those are the things that are promoted through Christian culture. Yes. And like face-to-face -face conversations, yeah, yes. people together without phones, through, not mediated through electronics. 
Um, so this, this is, I mean, I mean, that's a big part of it. And um, so Allison Tuttle is our, our director of the uh, Palatine Institute. One of the things that she's working on is um, hospitality. Right. So one of the one of the greatest things the Christian church has to offer is the gift of hospitality to bring the stranger in to to uh, to eat together, to commune with one another, to get to know one another, um, to to share uh, life with one another. And and when the church is doing that, it's just beautiful. And and you know what prevents that from happening? Sin. Right. And and what is. What does the church, what does Christ tell us to do? Well, if there's sin, we need to reconcile, right? And so if I, if I, if someone has offended me, I need to go right to them and I need to, to, to confront them about it. And if, if there's not, there's no reconciliation, you bring in another witness or two and then bring it to the elders. And the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle of the church is reconciliation. We're sinners, so sin's going to happen. Even in the church, sin's going to happen. Uh, it's going to happen in the school. Sin's going to happen because we're sinners. The question is, how do we deal with sin? And if we can deal with sin as our Lord taught us, then guess what? The community flourishes and it's beautiful and it's good. In my job as headmaster at Providence Academy, one of my privileges is to deal with discipline issues in the school. <laughs> And I can't tell you how many times I've had young uh, uh, school children who have sinned and they've gotten stuck in their sin and they don't know how to get out of it because they know they're in trouble and they know that they've done wrong and they're just stuck. And I come and I talk to them about what they did. What, why did you do this? You know, what does God's word say? And, and here's, we, we need to confess this to, to God and, and he'll forgive you. And then we need to go talk to so-and-so and, and ask for forgiveness. And then when they're reconciled, when this, it's just such a, a burden lifted from them. Often when you see me at school and a little kid comes up and hugs me or wants to hold my hand because they do, they'll come up and <laughs> hold my hand on the hospital. I guarantee it's because they have had an office visit with me at some point where they know I have just helped them out through the gospel, right? Yeah. Help them out of that sin, out of that into reconciliation. And it's so wonderful. So imagine a culture, a Christian culture, that's not based just on law. That sounds horrible, but we're seeking to obey his law. But really the foundation of that is the grace that God has given us in Jesus Christ. And, and that grace then is extended to one another so that we as a community can be real with each other, right? We, we don't have to pretend that we're not sinners. We kind of assume that we're sinners. And then when sin happens, we expect it. We don't, you know, I expect that someone's going to sin against me. Yeah. And, and, and that's okay because they're a sinner and we're just going to work it out through the gospel and, and be forgiven and reconciled and, and, and continue on. Right now in our culture, if you say the wrong thing, if you blow it, if you do it, the, the idea is that you cancel them, you, you, you don't have anything to do with them again, you don't want to associate with them, and it, that is so stressful. Um, younger generations are having such a hard time fitting in, uh, belonging, they'll tow whatever line they feel is the pressure on them to tow the line of um, whether it's sex or lying or drugs or you name it, it, whatever social convention is popular. Um, it, it is, it is a hard life because 
they can't find forgiveness, but it needs to be offered in the church. Yeah. It needs to be offered in the church. Let, let me add one last thing about this. I, I know, I know we're, yeah. uh, we're going here, but um, I, I don't want to leave without talking about this too. That part of what's happened in the American culture that has, has uh, strayed away from a Christian culture in the past has to do with values, you know? So th- that idea of value is what's really important. What's important in, in life. And in a Christian culture, one of the things that is the most important is this uh, concept of piety, right? A, a pious person is one who fulfills their obligations to God, to their family and to their neighbors. That's what a pious person is. It's, it's not about religious feeling. I think that's, you know, piety or, or the uh, pietists get, kind of get a, a bad name because of that. But the idea of uh, a pious person is one who fulfills their obligations to God, to their family and to their neighbors. That doesn't seem to be talked about anymore in the church. We have a, a, a duty to God first, to our families and to our neighbors to love them as ourself. Um, but in our common culture, in, the, in American culture, it seems that the only duty that uh, people expect to have is their duty to fulfill themselves, that our, the self is king. And, and whatever we desire should be the thing that we pursue. And that's what's going to make me happy. And if I don't get that thing I'm pursuing, then it, it really messes you up and you blame others and, you know, you, you start movements or I, I don't know, it's whatever it is. But, but part of this Christian culture that we're looking at has to come back to this idea of, of piety. What is it that God made me for? Mm-hmm. What are the obligations I have to God who has given me life and salvation? What are the obligations I have to my family to honor my mother and my father, uh, to, to provide for my wife and my children? to raise them in a, a way that is uh, good and godly. Uh, the, I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. What does that mean? I, right. Do you even know your neighbor's names? <laughs> right. Is it, right. I mean, it, it, think of that. Is it um, do, when we mean neighbor, cause then we make up stuff about neighbors. Well, neighbors just means the people that you're in contact with. Mm-hmm. Well, how convenient is that? What if I only picked people to be in contact, which that are like me, right. Yeah. Then, then really what I'm doing is I'm not really loving my neighbor as myself. I'm loving myself through my neighbors. Mm-hmm. Aren't they really great people? I want to hang out with them more. Look at what a great Christian I am because I love them. Yeah. Well, no, you're loving yourself. What you need to do is go across the street and meet that neighbor. Who's always driving you nuts. You need to go to the, the person at the corner whose grass is long all the time because they're a single mom and we're having a tough time. You need to love them. That's, that's really the obligation that God gives us to love our neighbor. So that's part of that idea of building a Christian culture. Mm. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's that idea of um, looking into our obligations and fulfilling those obligations. And in a culture that, because it is burning and flourishing uh, and spreading, therefore, invites others in. Yes, yeah. it does. It does. And it's an amazing thing. And, and this is why and I'm going to kind of put a plug in for the, this idea of a cord of three strands, right? So as the introduction says, the cord of three strands that I'm seeing that's, 
it's it's our church, our school, and our in our um, family. If if we can have the three of those things working together, sharing the same vision and values, that is how we're going to develop a Christian culture amongst ourselves. Those three things: our school, our our family, our our church. That those three things then to working together help our children uh, not just have a biblical worldview, but it it helps change their hearts to love Christ's kingdom, to love his church, to love his word, um, to, to enjoy the flourishing of these things and to love even the duties that God has given them. Imagine kids living and growing up, not feeling that they have any purpose at all. Because they've not been told that God loves them and has a purpose for them. Yeah, right. It's it's crazy. How do how do they live? Right. It's it's, it's sad. Well, they Pursuit they of pleasure avoidance of pain. Right. <laughs> absolutely. And and where does it get them? It gets them more and more hurt. It gets them more and more bitter. It gets them more and more poor. It it get it's just it's not good. Not good. And so we want to create a culture reflecting God's word ordered around his word um, proactively seeking to create culture that is good, that allows our young people to flourish, that allows us as families to flourish and uh, all for the glory of God. Um, and that's, that's the whole goal. And this podcast um, as a, uh, as part of what Palatine Institute uh, is, is, uh, is about um, hopefully will contribute to that. I love that. I love that, Mr. Young. Well, uh, no, this has been a pleasure speaking with you for this very first episode. And uh, as we sort of just, you know, leave listeners with a, a closing thought uh, in our conversation today, they can certainly look forward to another episode next week. Um, you know, why Arden said Weirens, burning yet flourishing. You hinted at that in the beginning, uh, but a Christian culture, you know, it's successful when it's ordered around God's word. Uh, you know, what does the word do for Christian culture? A simple question, but I'd love it if you could leave listeners with that. Yeah. Once again, that, that word that it's centered around Jesus Christ, um, his scripture, you know, the, the Christ, the word become flesh, his word, um, First of all, Christ saves us. Um, it, and so that, that word refines us like fire, like a fire does. It, it um, shows us our error and it, it also lights our way. It, it illumines our path so we know what to do, what the good way is. And, uh, and that word spreads and it consumes, it lights, refining our lives. Then it also then um, illumines the world. Um, Christ, Jesus called us, um, the light of the world. And, um, and it's through this obedience to his word and, uh, this, this culture, gospel culture, I, I won't like to use the word gospel, not because I really love the gospel, yeah. um, is, is what's going to, uh, to help bring people to Christ. Yeah.